0: My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stuart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, and welcome to Our Sunday School. I'm glad you're able to join us this morning. If you got your Bibles, we're in Mark chapter 10. And Lord willing, this might be our last week in Mark chapter 10. I'm excited about... Uh, starting 11 next week, and uh, welcome to those of you that are with us live this morning. Appreciate you being here up early on a rainy Sunday morning. Well, it's rainy where I am. I don't know if it's rainy where you are, but uh, welcome to uh, several different folks this morning. Let's say hello. So I've got Julie and Caleb in our bedroom. Uh, We've got uh, James Arnt, Jay Arnt. Hey, Jay. Got uh, Barry Cole speaking. Japanese Japanese, I think, so I won't try to pronounce that, but uh, good morning, friends. Uh, Danus and Brittany are in 206 at the Hickson campus. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you guys being there. Uh, Amy V, the lessons are on. The barbers are locked and loaded. I hope that means you've got your scripture and not weapons, because that's weird. Uh, The McClures, the Landers, uh, Cheryl, and my mom. Hey, guys. Good morning. Glad you guys are with us this morning. So thanks for that feedback, Dave. I appreciate that. And uh, like I said, we're in Mark chapter 10 today, and we start each week with the question, you know, what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we have studied so far? So at this point, we're almost 10 full chapters into Mark's gospel. Uh, So there is plenty of uh, information and truth for the Holy Spirit to be using and working in our lives, and I'm, I'm excited that we've been able to do this much of Mark, and I'm excited about what lies ahead. So let's go ahead and uh, read through Mark chapter 10. Uh, If you haven't already gone to OurSundaySchool.com and uh, grabbed a copy of this morning's handout, it's the same handout as we had last week. So I would encourage you to do that. And uh, we're in Mark chapter 10. I'm going to read out of the ESV. And let's get started. He left there. And went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up, and in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And in the house the disciples asked him again about this matter, and he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, "'Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it.' And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, "'Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life?' And Jesus said to him, "'Why do you call me good?' No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him, and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands, with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem." And they said to him, "'Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory.' And Jesus said to them, "'You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized?' And they said to him, "'We are able.' And Jesus said to them, "'The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared.' And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be first, whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So welcome to a few more folks this morning. So good morning to uh, Miss Hopper. Thanks for being with us this morning. Uh, looks like the McGarvey's and the Johnson's are here as well. Uh, the Greggs from North Carolina with some additional family, Rachel, Julia, and Stacy. Hey, fantastic. The whole crew there. That's awesome. And then uh, Matt and Jenna Ayers are in 206 as well with uh, Danus and Brittany. Fantastic. Great to have you guys with us this morning. Uh, specifically, my friends in North Carolina, we've been praying a lot for the situation there. So thanks for sharing that prayer request. We'll keep praying. So appreciate that. Uh, And Matt, I got to see just a snippet of the song this morning uh, as I was scrolling through Facebook. It happened to stop just as you were starting to sing. So thank you for that blessing this morning. I appreciate that. Uh, It's always good to see you sing, my brother. And Miss Miller is here we're good there's grace for tardiness too don't worry about it Uh, and in case you didn't know all these are recorded and put up on uh, facebook and youtube so you can always go back and catch the first few minutes not a problem at all All right so this morning we're going to try to finish up this last section in uh, mark chapter 10. uh, the section entitled jesus heals blind bartimaeus Uh, last week we talked about you know the literary and structural observations from this chapter we saw all of the just wide variety of spiritual blindness leading up to this point in Mark chapter 10. And then we see sight from the blind man, right? Only Jesus can do this. It's amazing. Uh, Now, from a bigger picture, bigger perspective in Mark, uh, we are shockingly close to Jerusalem at this point. So we are uh, in Jericho uh, for this interaction with Bartimaeus. Uh, Jericho is just to the northeast of Jerusalem, uh, just north of the Dead Sea there, so we are very, very close. Uh, Our entire time in Mark has been basically Jesus teaching and preaching, and then in chapter 8, he sets his face toward Jerusalem, and we start toward Jerusalem. And uh, I'm excited about chapter 11, because in chapter 11, we get to Jerusalem. The Messiah is going to do what the Messiah came to do, and I'm pumped about that. So verse 46, we'll kind of review very quickly last week's uh, verses. They came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, uh, Bartimaeus, right, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, we talked about those names last week, was sitting by the roadside. So this is what beggars do. They sit by the roadside. They're calling out to people that pass by trying to get uh, food or any type of currency that they can go purchase food with. So verse 47, and when he heard, when Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, and again, we looked at the map last week and saw that Nazareth was a long ways away from Jericho. And uh, this was not something that if, if Jesus had been an unknown figure, uh, a minor character of this day, uh, Bartimaeus would not have been aware of him. But Bartimaeus was aware of him because this is the one who in earlier in Mark's gospel had healed the blind. That kind of news gets out. So we he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth. He began to cry out. This is the, this shrieking, screaming, crying out and saying, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. So again, we saw his beautiful theology. He knew who Jesus was from. He knew where Jesus was from. He, he got it. He, he understood this. Uh, and again, we talked about this is the only time in Mark's gospel where Jesus is described as the Son of David. Interesting that the theology would come from uh, Bartimaeus. So Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48, And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. I'm wearing my shirt again today. This is the reason, right? He was warned, he was given an explanation. Nevertheless, he persisted. Uh, They rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more. He knew where healing was going to come from. And he knew where healing had not come from at this point, right? It had not come from all these people telling him to be quiet his entire life. So he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And this have mercy is an imperative. He's, He's telling Jesus to have mercy. He's not asking Jesus to have mercy. 49, Jesus stopped. What a beautiful, beautiful thing that Jesus stops in his divinely appointed mission to engage with someone in need. He stopped and he said, call him. Same word for calling as he used on the disciples. And they, so the crowd, called the blind man, saying to him, take heart. This is a present active imperative, so keep doing this, keep having courage. Get up, another present active imperative. Like, keep doing this, get over there to him. He is calling you. And this is where we ended last week, this idea of he is calling you. Uh, and just as Jesus calls Bartimaeus, Jesus calls each person individually. Uh, this is a, a public communication of the gospel that we saw back in Mark chapter 1, 14 and 15, this repent and believe in the gospel. But there's also a very individual component to this as well, uh, that it is both a public and an individual call. So then verse 50, we jump right in today. We're starting this in verse 50. It says, "...and throwing off his cloak." So it didn't say that there was a... Uh, we don't use one of Mark's favorite words, euthaios, uh, immediately here. We do in a second. Uh, but uh, the word and is used so it's just a we just keep going with this thought he he hears the call he jumps up he springs up and he came to Jesus and I, I just just so that we're all on the same page I want you to make sure that you see the first thing that Bartimaeus does is be obedient right So Jesus called and Bartimaeus came don't skip past the immediate obedience. Like if you, if you read through the Gospels, just take note of who was immediately obedient. And I'll tell you who it's not. It's not the religious leaders. It's almost never the apostles. It's not the people you would think. It's the people who are desperate. It's people who are hungry. It's people who are blind. It's the people who are needy. There's immediate obedience there, and who do we typically look past? The people who are desperate, the people who are blind, the people who are needy. Right? And Jesus stopped and engages. It's a beautiful thing. So don't don't miss Bartimaeus's obedience here. His immediate obedience. He sprang up and he came to Jesus, verse fifty one. And Jesus said to him, Ah, uh, yes, Sherry likes the first thing that Jesus asked him for was mercy. Um, Please have Miss Sherry's comments show up more often. I would love that. This is one of the things that I really miss about being in person is seeing and hearing in real time these responses. So thank you for that. Uh, yeah, he asked for mercy. right? Because what, what had he not gotten from the crowd? What had he not gotten from the vast, vast majority of people walking down the road? He'd not gotten any mercy. He'd not gotten any compassion there. right? This was something totally different. But he knew where mercy came from. So Jesus says to Bartimaeus here. Here's the question, right? That Jesus has asked several times in this gospel. What do you want me to do for you? And we see this word want again there, that strong's 2309, that fellow, the the wish, the choice, the prefer. What what do you wish for? Right? You got me here. I'm in front of you right now. What do you want? And and I'll tell you that the more that I have steeped in Mark chapter 10, the more I am coming to the conclusion that it's not about the question, it's about the answer. Because the answer shows us what's in our hearts. Right. This is a, this is a really insightful question. When you have the power to help, when you have the authority to assist, when you have in your means to, to work with someone, Toward a goal. And you ask them, what do you want? Like, What do you really want? And uh, the question is a good question. But the answer is a mirror to our souls. It's a mirror to our heart. What does our heart desire? What does our heart cry out for? Um, and the blind man does not take a lot of time to stop and consider it doesn't say that he goes and he consults with friends. It doesn't say that he he stops and he he thinks through all the things that he could. No, 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 no. no. And I, I th- there are there are a lot of things I love about our English translations. What we're about to see is not one of them. Um, he says to Jesus, "Rabbi," and ablepo. That's the that's the uh, the original words there. Rabbi is the Aramaic words. Again, we see this kind of. This glimpse that Aramaic was probably the language that Jesus was operating in. It was the common language of the day at this point. Uh, Greek was actually reserved for a little higher class. Not not substantially, but it was probably not something that most of the Jews... They probably most knew it, but they they were most fluent in Aramaic. So, uh, rabbi. And then the English translation, and most of the English translations, have multiple words right here. But the reality is Bartimaeus only said two words to Jesus. Rabbi... Anablepo, And anablepo is, uh, it's in the subjunctive. Uh, And the subjunctive is this idea of possibility uh, or potential. And uh, it literally means to look up. It literally means to look up. So we're going to take a couple of minutes and kind of do a, a tour of Mark's gospel of the times where this word has shown up. Now, by implication, it means to recover sight. So when you have something in the subjunctive, you, you almost have this, I'd like for this to happen type of a concept. Where in Greek, you can communicate that with just the end of the word. In English, that's not the way our, our, our language works. So we need more words. So while in English, it looks like he says, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. In Greek, it was just two words. You, you talk about a honed, refined, crystal clear message. You don't get much sharper than this, because he's already declared who he believes Jesus to be. Then he calls him a rabbi, which was true. And then he says, let me recover my sight. It's a beautiful language here. So let's go back to Mark 6, 41. And let's take a look at uh, some of the places where this word, uh, adeblepo, uh shows up. So this is in the Jesus feeding the 5,000. Uh, so they sat down, verse 40, they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he, Jesus, looked up to heaven. So the first time this word is used in Mark's gospel, it's associated with looking up to heaven. And what does Jesus do next? He said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. So this is associated with a talking to God, with a looking up to uh, and I was thinking about this this week, this concept of uh, looking up and looking down. And in, in, I don't know what your first memories about theological things are. And I don't remember ever being explicitly taught this. But I do remember from a very young age really believing that God was up and the devil was down. Right. So it, it, this might come from a uh, the high above the heavens is your throne and the the this idea of darkness and deepness associated with evil but generally speaking most of us have this kind of basic understanding that up is good down is bad right this is the, the basic approach so jesus looks up to pray so flip over a couple pages to mark seven thirty four we'll see another one of these looking up this is Jesus' encounter with the deaf man right uh, so verse 33 in chapter 7, and taking him aside, taking the deaf man aside from the crowd privately, he Jesus put his fingers into the deaf man's ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. Right. So we see these interesting motions. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and he said, Ephatha, that is, be opened. So this is this idea of, um, I'm... <sighs> looked up to heaven. So this is not just a, a random head movement of Jesus. this is a, a looking in a specific direction, right? So he's looking up, let's look at uh, Mark 8. Uh, in Mark 8:22 through26 we see another blind man, the first blind man in Mark's gospel. And uh, when Jesus heals him, he laid his hands on him in verse 23, He says, "Do you see anything?" And he looked up and he said, "I see people. But they looked like trees walking. Jesus laid his hands on him again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. But the first thing this blind man did was looked up, right? Which implies that he had been looking where? It implies that he'd been looking down. Which was this man's view of the world? He was looking down. He was at the bottom rung or next to the bottom rung of society. He was a beggar. He relied on everybody else to support him. There were no uh, ADA rules at this time. You were at the mercy of family or charity. That's it. So this man had spent his life looking down calling out to people, begging, and looking down. Calling out to people and begging and looking down. And what's he asked Jesus for? Let me look up. It's a beautiful request. It reflects so much about who he is and where he is and what he's experienced and what his life has been at this point, right? There's been years and years and years of this type of a lifestyle because he's a man here, right? doesn't say he's a boy, so he says, let me look up. There's one, more, there's one more look up in Mark's gospel, other than the two that are mentioned here in chapter 10. Mark 16, 4. This is a good one. I'll start in verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. This is Jesus' body in the tomb. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. (laughs) Yeah, they had to look up to see this beautiful miracle that had occurred. And when you look up in the gospel of Mark, good things happen. And this is what the blind man asked Jesus for. He said, Let me look up. So we get to verse 52. We're going to wrap it up in 52. Love it. So Jesus said to him, go. Now, this is a present active imperative. This is a you keep on going. This is the idea that your commander has given you direction, and you are to keep doing this until your commander gives you different direction. Uh, And this is to withdraw or to retire. The, The idea here is you go. Now, the English here says your way. That's not in Greek. The, the, the word is just go. Um, he, then he says, your faith. And th- this one has messed with me a little bit uh, the last couple of weeks because the your here is singular, and the faith is our pistis. This is our normal word for faith or belief. Uh, this shows up several times in Mark's gospel. In Mark 2, verse 5, we see the first time of faith being used. It says when Jesus saw their faith, this is the group that cut the hole in the ceiling and lowered the paralytic man down through the roof, right? So he saw their faith. He said to the paralytic, "Son, your sins are forgiven." Which is really interesting there, right? And then verse chapter 4 verse 40, we see uh, Jesus calming the storm, and he kind of he kind of finishes here. And after he finishes, he says to the disciples, "Why are you so afraid? Had you still no faith? Do you not get it? Do you not understand? Do you not believe?" Right. So we see this negative use of faith. Uh, Five thirty four. Um, Jesus says to the the woman with the issue of blood, "Says, daughter, your faith has made you well." Like, so another, another positive faith. And we get to this 10.52, another positive faith. So we, we see this idea that this man's faith, and then the, the next few words says, has made you well. Now, w- we might think that this is reserved for a physical, but the word here is sozo. The word here is for salvation. This is our, our basis for the concept of soteriology, the study of the doctrine of salvation. Uh, and this is a <laughs> this is probably the most difficult verb tense I have ever looked at. It's a perfect active indicative. So we'll start with the easy part and then we'll work our way into the more difficult part. So the indicative, just a statement of fact. So from Jesus' perspective, this is a statement of fact that his faith has made him well. The active means the subject is performing the action. So it's It's Bartimaeus' faith that is performing the action. Bartimaeus is performing the faith action. And perfect is completed action with the results continuing. And this is the one that makes my head scratch because this is a reference to something that happened prior, but the results are continuing to occur. Now, it doesn't mean it happened days and weeks and months prior. could have been moments prior. But... uh, this is his faith existed immediately before Jesus said these words. It's a really interesting, uh, it's a really interesting uh, word here, this sozo. So he says, Your faith has made you well. And for some people, this really messes with their theology. And like, well, you know, we didn't follow the Romans road, we didn't follow the four spiritual laws, we didn't follow. Yeah, that, those are just a. Uh, clarification and explanation of repent and believe right (laughs) it's not it's not really more complicated than that we're just taking a couple of bible words that most folks aren't super familiar with and breaking them down into more actionable uh, tangible steps tactical steps so what happens when jesus says your faith has made you well so did it did it work do we have to do it again like what's the outcome So the text says, and immediately, there we go, now we're Mark. And immediately he recovered his sight. And immediately he anablepoed. So what did he ask for? He asked for anablepo. And what did he get? Anablepo. So what does that tell us about the righteousness or unrighteousness of his request? Because if you look back through Mark chapter 10, We see all the different requests that come up, right? We see the request of the Pharisees. What's this question about this law? We see this question from the disciples. What's this question about the law? We see the disciples hindering the children coming. We see Jesus' heartbeat. We see the rich young ruler saying, how do I inherit eternal life? We see Jesus fixing the disciples' bad theology. We see Jesus explaining again what's going to happen to him in Jerusalem. We see this request of James and John. We see all of these requests in Mark chapter 10. The Pharisees did not get what they want. The rich young ruler did not get what he wanted. James and John did not get what they wanted because they asked amiss. They either weren't serious, the Pharisees were setting him up, I'm not really entirely sure about the rich young ruler, but James and John just wanted to consume this on their own lusts, right? But Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus had an honest, serious request. I'm looking at Barry's comment. So the past action, his faith, required a current action, his asking, to work. You might be onto something there, Barry. (laughs) That requires some faith. It does. Yes, it does. I would also argue it requires Jesus. So let's not leave him out. So immediately back to verse 52, uh, and immediately he recovered his sight. He asked for it, and that's what he got. This is the only person in Mark's gospel, in Mark chapter 10, that immediately gets what he asked for. So there's something different about his ask but he's not done, right? So we get at Mark's actually, his most famous word, uh, and followed him on the way. Now I'm not gonna spend a lot of time talking about this concept, but this followed is the imperfect. So this is action continually or repeatedly happening in past time. So this was, he, he immediately started in and it started occurring for a while. Uh, he immediately followed. The, the word is the same word that Jesus calls us to follow him. Uh, to be a disciple. So he falls in line with the disciples here at this point, right? Now, it doesn't make him an apostle, uh, but it does mean he's accompanying Jesus on the way. And uh, I don't think that this is a, a direct reference to uh, the way this word uh, is used, hodos, is used in Acts. Uh, in Acts 9.2, 19.9, 19.23, 24.14, and 24.22, where uh, the way, usually it's capitalized in some uh, translations, the way part is, uh, is a description of the following of Jesus Christ, the all of Christianity kind of rolled up into one. I I believe the context here is the way to Jerusalem, because this is what Mark has been very clearly articulating for quite some time in the narrative. Um, So I want to, I want to draw a distinction between reading literally and reading literately. Reading literally could lead you to believe that we're talking about Christianity. Reading literately, putting this in context, would let us clearly see that this is we're on the way to Jerusalem. So I just want to make sure we're we're kind of aware of that. But I'll leave you with one nagging question of mine. Did Bartimaeus obey or not? Because Jesus told him to go. And what did he do? He followed. Doesn't sound like obedience to me, but we also don't see Bartimaeus scolded for this. So, interesting question, one I'm still working on. <laughs> Maybe in 2040 you can ask me if I've come to a conclusion. I don't know. So, let's do some applications and personalizations and we'll wrap up Mark chapter 10. Again, I'm excited about going to Jerusalem next week. This is good. Uh, not physical Jerusalem, like Jerusalem, right? <laughs> uh, so application number one, I would say Jesus is interruptible. Uh, Jesus is interruptible. So, uh, you know, he's on the way to Jerusalem. He's, got, he's been very clear with the disciples about what we're here to do, what we're going to go do, what he's going to go do. Uh, but uh, what do we do with that? If, if we have an interruptible God who is okay with us crying out for help, what do we do with that? I would say call out to Him. Absolutely. Call out to Him. Um, This is a a beautiful thing that we see that we have access to God, uh, access to the Father through Jesus Christ, access to the Spirit because of Jesus Christ. Uh, It's a a beautiful trinity that we serve. So application number two, uh, disability does not equal dumb. Disability does not equal dumb. Uh, Bartimaeus had beautiful theology. Beautiful, beautiful theology. He had heard what had happened and had deduced who Jesus was. Because there's only one person that the Old Testament talks about that's going to open the eyes of the blind. And that's the Messiah. And that's the son of David. Bartimaeus had this figured out. His theology was wonderful. So application number two is disability does not equal dumb. What do we do with that? I would say use everything we have to declare who Jesus is. If you are an able-bodied person, use everything you have to declare who Jesus is. If you have a physical or mental handicap, use everything you have to declare who Jesus is. To the glory of God, this is our purpose to make him known with everything we have. But please understand, disability does not equal dumb. The crowd desired to take Bartimaeus' blindness and further disable him by telling him to be quiet, by telling him to be literally to be dumb. So if you have some type of a physical or mental restriction in your life, um, let me just tell you, God loves you. And he wants you to use everything you have to make Jesus known. There is space for you in his family, and you are beautiful and wonderfully made. you, You are a miracle of creation. So please, please understand that. That Jesus is for you. All right, application number three. Jesus calls and opposition exists. Jesus calls and opposition exists. Uh, so what do, we, what do we do with this, right? So the crowd resisted. And I, I would argue that this crowd was not acting on their own. Uh, we see satanic forces at work all through Mark's gospel. And I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the devil was behind uh, the opposition to Bartimaeus' engaging with Jesus Christ. The devil wants to sway the crowd and the devil wants to sway the individual as well, away from a life dedicated to Christ. So what do we do with that? I would say respond to Jesus when he calls and don't believe Satan's lies. Satan's lies come through a lot of different voices. Sometimes they come through voices who hold a copy of God's word and that is an abomination and will be dealt with one day. And sometimes they come through the crowd chanting certain things. Like we'll see later on in Mark's gospel when they chant, crucify him, crucify Jesus. But respond to Jesus when he calls. And please don't believe Satan's lies. So application number five, uh, Barry, here you go. Faith saves. Faith saves. It absolutely does. So what do we do with that? Believe. <laughs> absolutely. Believe in the one who is the one. Believe in the one who was perfect in all his ways. Believe in the one who engaged and loved even those who asked with faith impure motives. Believe. And then application number six, uh, faith follows. Faith follows. So what do we do with that? Go. This is our commission. This is our great commission to go and to engage and to make Jesus known. And next week, Lord willing, We start chapter 11. So we'll go over next week uh, in class, Lord willing, our homework, our pray, hear, think, talk, share, and invite steps. Uh, And we'll look at that for Mark chapter 11. So start reading Mark chapter 11. I'm excited about it. There's a lot of great stuff in Mark chapter 11. There's some things that I really don't understand and am looking forward to soaking and steeping on much, much more. I'm looking forward to learning from you guys, just as you do with your your comments here. I appreciate those. And uh, with that, I'll go ahead and we'll close this week's lesson. But please know I love you guys. I'm praying for you. I miss you dearly. And uh, can't wait to see what God does through all of this. And uh, I just, I miss you guys. So, grace and peace. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.